Ladies and gentlemen, we're shoveling. This is the growing season, brought to you by News Talk. It's like at 960 AM. I'm Matt McFarland, one of three McFarlands that will grace your eardrums today. Jack and Lynn McFarland join me, but to me, they are mom and dad. Pops, moms, what's up? I'm doing really well, Matthew. Awesome. Yeah, I'm doing great, too. You guys get mom. Did you get that rash cleared up? <laughs> rash. <laughs> rash. I'm totally joking. I'm just every week, it's the same thing. It's like, I'm great. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, we got we to gotta start switching it up here. Okay, so you yes, wait a minute, Matt. Wait a minute, all cleared up. Good. So, Matt, you think the white stuff's gone for this year? Look, we had it May 11th last year. I know, okay, so Matt. Even if we get into April, it doesn't. You're not guaranteed anything. I told you the worst snowstorm I remember was on April the third, nineteen seventy-five. April the third. April the third. Wow. Here's, a, here's one that really gets scared about. Back in uh, back in the seventies, I remember uh, one of my friends, Brian Food. He had put all his stuff out for in May for all his. His cold crops, right? His yeah. cabbages and cauliflowers and so forth. Well, they got a, a small bit of snow, four centimeters, in June. And wiped it out. And wiped it all yeah. out. Yeah. All right. So this is not agricultural or us. This is uh, the growing season brought to you by News Talk Saga 960 AM. This is part three of our Celebrating Spring series. Celebrating Spring series. That's alliteration. And this series has proven to be quite popular. In fact, ratings have never been higher for the growing season. I'm not sure if that is audience listening into our buffoonery or it's the fact that COVID is now stretched on for over a year and they're like for the love of God get me outside let's do anything like they would set themselves on fire to be outside yes sure man and I think what you should really call this show is the triple P show all right proper fruiting practices all right Mm -hmm. cool I was gonna say you thought something else (laughs) so we're gonna be chatting about we're gonna be chatting about pruning of flowering shrubs, trees, and such, as well as your edibles. And this has got nothing to do with marijuana, so stop So stop messaging me about it, okay? We're talking about <laughs> fruits and stuff, okay? As well as, we're going to chat a little bit about the horticulturalness that is Easter. There's a whole bunch of stuff that comes out horticulturally around this time of the year, and we want to chat about that. She's Lynn, he's Jack, I'm Matt, and we are at 2 minutes and 17 seconds and way over on our intro, and this is the growing season on News Talk, Talk on am <laughs> <laughs> And we are B-A-C-K, The Growing Season, on News Talks, like a 9.60 a.m. Whew, that was a heavy-duty station ID at the end there. I'm still winded from that sucker. <laughs> and uh, follow along with us, GrowingSeasonCanada.com. Click on Show Bits. It's the visual accompaniment to this little affair. And again, as I make mention on most of the shows, you're going to want to use this stinking thing because we're going to probably have 122,000 different plants that I have to upload. And I sit in front of a laptop with my kids for hours a day because we're doing distance learning and my father cannot stop talking about plant materials that I have to upload in any event. All right. So, <laughs> yeah, <I know>. yeah. <laughs> so last week we did touch on pruning a little bit, but we're going to keep, we're going to keep down that road because there was many things that we didn't finish. In fact, one of the early ideas for the growing season was to serialize it. And that has nothing to do with cinnamon toast crunch. It's basically, we were, we were going to hope to, have one week lead into the next, lead into the next. The only problem that we found was that weather and sometimes weather sometimes makes things difficult. So if you're going to chat about this or that or this or that, and if it's been, if it's been a crazy rainy week or it whatever, just doesn't it work. just doesn't work. So no. in this case, though, we are able to somewhat serialize it. So guys, yeah. we'll be chatting about first in pruning here. Well, if you don't mind, I'll just do my normal blather and, right. and we'll move along, Matt. But Matt, when you prune in the spring, you want to prune everything generally, early spring anyways, before the leaves form, right? Why? Because you don't want to get into, generally, you don't want to really get into pruning things that don't need to be pruned. For instance, if you're pruning off flower buds, that's not necessarily a good thing. You wait all winter long and from the year before for a lot of it, before any of this stuff actually starts showing bloom the following okay, season. Okay, here, here's a question that, like, I know the answer, but I only know the answer because of the growing season, which I happen to co-host. Why do they prune the fruit trees in January, February? Why? I think what it is basically matters. They can see everything at that time. Okay. I don't think it's really anything really good for the plant. But just wait a minute. So just think about this for a minute. So normally when you go and you do a fruit tree, you're pruning off, but you're already jumping to edibles. But anyways, but what you're normally doing. Thank you, Matt. You just kind of <laughs> good. throw me under the bus. Good. good. But Matt, normally when you're doing a fruit tree, especially in the wintertime, you can see all the sucker growth. You can see the yeah. water sprouts. And by the way. What is a water sprout? 
that is where you've got like a hole in the side of your garden hose and water is sprouting out of it. Oh, <laughs> come on. No, that's really bad. Oh, no, no, hold on. There's a hole in the dike in Holland. Yeah. Water is sprouting out of it. No. Uh, there's no. a hole in um, something and there's water <laughs> sprouting out of it. Okay, I'll tell you, I'll give you a hint, Matthew. If, if you could only see his eyes roll. <laughs> He's constantly thinking, what the hell am I doing here? Uh, Sorry, okay. go ahead. Whatever. Water, water sprouts water. are either called, they're also called water shoots. Yeah, it's upsuckers. And they also, right? they, yeah. but they occur. Sure. Mm-hmm. And they also mm-hmm. occur on, on the stem, like the, sorry, the trunk or the large branches. Now, yeah. here's what they are, Matt. They're latent buds. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, but normally suckers occur on the bottom or on the base near the root flare of the tree. Sure. Water sprouts are suckers that occur up. On the top branches, on the, top on the large on branches. The, yeah. Or, you see it a lot on any of the malice, any of the crab apple and stuff like that. They just up sucker like crazy. So what are they for? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Shut up, sucker. All right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, it's, yeah, you said latent buds. For our audience that, that doesn't know, latent buds, what this is, is this is, think of it like, this is your, this is James Bond's backup weapon. Ooh, I Okay. See. If the, or this is John Wick's backup weapon. If the one gun runs out of ammo, tosses the gun aside and you can pull like the little one out. These are latent buds. In case something catastrophic happens to the existing buds on the tree, they have these latent buds underneath the bark that are there. It's their reinforcements. Yes. So what's yeah. the major, what's the major cause of them? The major cause of water sprouts. Uh, would it be some sort of a damage to the tree? That's not bad. That's not far off. Mom, what's your answer? Environmental stress. Environmental stressors of drought conditions would be one of them. Okay. Uh, you can also, because a person over prunes, they over thin. Uh, it could also, because the tree is also getting older, but it's also, it also has something to do with the plant, the plant itself, Matt. So if it's a, uh, if it's a malice, oh, there's our Latin alert. Yep. So any of the apple or crab apple varieties. Why would you ever plant these things? I get it, but people want, you you eat apples. Yeah, but, okay, I would plant an apple tree if I owned an orchard. But to just recreationally plant an apple tree, these things are a freaking nightmare. Mom? Well, we adopted a crab apple, Jack. We didn't really want a crab apple, but this one needed a home. So mine is actually, I believe it's a profusion crab apple. Which is your favorite. You you love that. No, actually, I like royalty. Myself. And you like, was it jade that you like as well? Jade is the weeping variety. I don't mind that one as well. But it, if I had to pick one, I want something besides flower. So I went and got something that has, has leaf the, color. Like it's got the purple Schubert cherry type leaf. Yeah, that's but why this little guy or girl needed a home. So yeah. it's in our yard. I'm just saying, you know my thought. If you're going to be on a customer site pruning anything and just rolling your eyes at it, it's going to be a crab apple. Right. Well, and, and again, or, the, the well, suckering weeping Matthews, mulberry is in, in close second. Let me tell you. Sure, and the, and once the sucker starts to sucker, once the <laughs> once the <laughs> sucker, <laughs> once the tree starts to degrade the graft, then you'll notice more suckering or more latent buds in form now, of wait a minute, water shout, shout water sprout. Oh my goodness! I was just gonna say. Um, if a, if a mother otter has a baby otter, can you call that an otter sprout? Oh. Oh. Or if they swim into a concrete wall, they say, damn. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this one's off the rails pretty quick. Okay. Anyways, anyways, Matthew. So the, the water sprouts, like you say, grow straight up and they're generally 100% as useless as suckers. Okay, so the idea is you want to prune them away because they, they take away all the nutrient and yeah. food that that tree flower because the tree's having to keep that thing alive sure that whatever that is it's expanding it's like a skin tag right yeah yeah it's a tree skin tag (laughs) it's a skin tag (laughs) but anyways matt since we're on apples fruit trees you really killed me on this one but since it's on we're on fruit trees let's stay with that for a while yeah so matt the branches on a fruit tree for the most part especially apple are generally on a 45 degree angle why snow okay not just snow no wait a wait Weight of fruit plus right. weight of the branches themselves. Right. Okay? Yeah. Mom. What else, Mom? Would that go for all fruit trees, not all just apples? Fruit trees. So like a peach, now here's even a the, cherry? Now, wait a... Okay, that, that's my question. Because you would think that there'd be a greater angle on a peach than there would be on... A cherry. A cherry. Because on a cherry, heavy. you're not talking about like... Right? On a sweet cherry, right? On the avium, you'd have... The cherry is what? The size of a 
golf ball, sure. if that, right? Sure. A peach, man, you got a five-pound bowling ball hanging on there. Well, they're not cauliflowers by any chance, by any ways, <laughs> no, right, Matt? No, but then again, too, you would ask yourself, now, I was going to say on the, the jackfruit and on the breadfruit, but those are those are cauliflowers, right? No, those are... Yes. They're those are cauliflowers, fruit. yeah. Trunk fruit. So, but that trunk would have to be a certain thickness to be able to hold up that level of fruit, right? Same principle. Sure. Right? And you would want to have that fruit on all sides of the trunk growing because if you only had it on the one side, that thing's pulling the trunk over. Absolutely. And you open up the center so that you can get a lot of sunlight and air circulation so that you're not yeah. going to get things like spot on your fruit and so forth. Or even dis- disease and insects, Matthew. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. And again, if you looked at it from the top and looked down, it looks like spokes on a wheel, okay, on a yeah. bicycle wheel. Yeah. And that's how you should be. But always make sure that it's open so that the fruit is basically to the, the outside edge of the tree. Nine times out of ten, ladies and gentlemen, you want to do something called open pruning. And all this means is that you are pruning the horticultural organism in such a way that, that you can have a number of things pass through the center. Okay? Think of it like a thong. <laughs> a thong for your tree. Okay? <laughs> little thing, little bits of floss in the middle. But um, I'm completely lost track here. Uh, so, but the, but the point is that you want to have sunlight be able to pass through. You want to have air circulation. You also want to have rainwater. Like when you have something that is so canopy laden, the interior of the tree is not getting any sort of a, of a water. If there's that much canopy going on and there's that little rain coming into the middle of the tree, what else is not being watered is that root system. Sure. Right? So you want to open that tree up so that you've got the ability to have a number of things pass through it, much like a thong. Yes. Sure. But anyways, man, also branches that are facing directly down towards the ground, yep. remove. They're useless as well yep. because they don't pr- produce much fruit or flower. Okay. And also, just think about this for a minute, that an average fruit tree, if you buy one and put it in at your home, doesn't really require much pruning for at least three years. So you don't do a lot of pruning initially. Why? Well, because it's, well, it's that whole sleep, creep, leap, right? It's not going to show any sort of major, major development up top for the first three years, right? Root system first, yes? Yes. Uh, that's what I was going to say. Yes. yes. Roots first. Fruit yeah. second. Flowers. Now, how do you, exp- how do you explain flower my, second? How do you explain my, my sunset maple in my backyard where about six months after I planted it, it was like, giddy up. <laughs> Must be in just the absolute right conditions. Yeah. So just remember, Matthew, one of the key points, suckers and water sprouts have to disappear. Take and them away. And prune also to get rid of crossers and rubbers, too. Oh, my goodness. My mom, your mom. My, well, your mom. No, your mom is <laughs> really your listening. mom's talking, no. that's, a, that's okay. <laughs> but Matthew, always yeah. think of it this way in the end, okay? Because remember, sun we, uh, makes more flour, more, makes more fruit, better yield, right? Yeah. So the bottom should always be wider than the top, almost like a, the conical form on an conifer just think of it that way yep and that way you're good to go yep because you're getting sunlight on all areas sure so wait a minute the bottom should be wider than the top always like you're talking about canopy yeah right like so it should be like a parabola yes right parabolic Mm -hmm. whoa big words not monobolic a pair of bollocks yeah Yeah. (laughs) awesome okay so we've talked about then your your fruiting trees what about flowering shrubs I'd love to talk about flowering shrubs this is my favorite subject I would say if there is something that I enjoy designing onto plans the most, it would be flowering shrubs. Why? I just like, you know what? I like them. You know what? As well, too, is it's pretty easy to convince your client that, all right, you got this thing in your garden for seven to 10 years. So if you're going to spend 55 bucks on a whatever, you know that you've got it for 10 years, right? Now, granted, if it's a yellow twig dogwood, you're going to spend your 55 bucks and it's going to be around for 80. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, right. I agree. But Matt, so, when it comes to flowering shrubs, the one thing you got to remember is watch the the early spring bloomers. Okay, the ones that bloom first. I don't so, plant any of those. Anyways, your forsythia, <laughs> intermedia spectabilis or expectabilis or what? Expe- yeah, nothing, what is it? Forsythia. It doesn't even uh, matter. There's nothing spectabile about it. No. No. I get it. They're gross. Magnolia oh. exuliangina. Yeah. Okay, another one, uh, Amelanchia canadensis. Oh, anything? I love oh, those yeah. suckers. Yeah, yeah so you yeah. want all Eastern these. Eastern Redbud, too, is fantastic. Sure. But, Matt, the idea is that when you're you're doing your uh, pruning of your, uh, your flowering shrubs, just remember that anything that's damaged, diseased, or whatever, remove it. 
Yep. And and the way we prune, this is the biggest thing, okay? So most of the time, shrubs, when we prune them, all the growth goes to the exterior portion of your of your plant, right? Or your, yep. of your flowering shrub. And so there's really nothing on the interior. So if you prune that thing too early, too deep, what's going to happen? If you prune that thing too early, too deep, what's going to happen? You're going to get into the negative zone. Oh, on your evergreens? No, we're talking flowering shrubs. Yeah, Matthew. but most of these flowering shrubs, they'll just they'll just grow back anyway. No, they won't. Not unless you coppice. You see, there might be, there'll be a lot of areas on that plant that may not be alive on the interior portions. You just don't see it because we prune a certain way, especially people with those yeah. giant uh, pruners that they use, the, the, the motorized or electric ones. Yeah. All the growth goes to the exterior. There's very little up and down the branches. If you are a client and you have got a pruning disaster on your hands, and by that I mean you've got a shrub where you've pruned it too much, or you've gotten into like the meat or down to the studs, you can see like wood. That's a sign of, obviously that's a sign of you've pruned too intensely, but here's, here's one of the big issues when it comes to pruning. And I, we, we had a, we had a client last year and we had to go in and do a stinking butcher job on this client's site. Danberg? Nope. Nope. Somebody else. We had to go in and do a butcher job. And the reason why we had to go in and do a butcher job is because they hadn't pruned it properly in probably five to eight years. So what happens is, as a client or as a homeowner, what you need to be considering is, and you've heard me say it, maybe I said it on the previous show on on Celebrating Spring Part 2. By the way, this is the growing season on News Talk Saga 960 AM. Follow along with us using Showbits. Click on growingseasoncanada.com, and Showbits is the visual accompaniment to the show. So what, what happens is, if you don't, Prune it, prune your property properly. That's tough. Proper pruning practices. There you go. Pa, pa, pa. <laughs> if you don't prune your property properly, holy, that's really hard. Then you get into butcher job stuff. So pruning is cumulative. Wait, 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 wait a minute. So what is the main purpose besides of form, function, and structure? What's the main purpose of pruning on a flowering shrub? Well, you're, you're keeping it, you're keeping it contained. No. Nope. What? Encourages new growth, new blooms. Oh. Yes. Okay. And if it's got any sort of a berry on it or a nut, it also that right. helps it needs as to well. Be, yeah. But you cannot decide one year after not having touched your stuff for five years, I'm going to go in and give it a good prune. You can do it, but it's going to come out looking like a butcher job. You have to every year. Incremental. Get out. It's, it's cumulative. It's little increments every year. You're, you are running a marathon. This is not a sprint here. No. And here's a, here's a tough one. It's called lilac. Mom? Oh, lilacs. Yes, lilacs are tough. Well, when you're pruning a lilac, you remove any of the spent blooms, and they don't require, so if you have a baby lilac, don't worry about pruning it. They don't require pruning until they're at least 2.2 to 5 meters tall. Then you can prune it. But the main thing with lilacs is... 18 feet? Yeah. When they, 2.2 talking. to 5 meters tall? Oh, yeah. Sorry, 15 feet. 15, 15 16 feet. Three. Really? Think about it. Now, you're not talking about a Korean lilac like the little shrub here or the standard. No, these no, are no. the big talking guys. about the big guys. The Syringa vulgaris. The vulgaris. Yeah, yeah. So anything is, so the Syringa vulgaris or Syringa reticulata on the tall stuff. So yeah. that would be the five meter range. Yeah. And then everything else down below. So you can get into your French hybrids, your Persian. Oh boy, I'm murdering you here. Persians. Any of your Kims and your low stuff. So it really varies, Matt. Oh my goodness, I just laid you and laid know, you out you on this one. Absolutely bombed me. But here's my question then. From what I have been told and from what we do is the best time to prune them is directly after they flower. And you, never after July fourth. No, you're cutting off next year's blooms. Yeah. And so Wait you can, a minute. Hold your damn horses here. These things flower in June. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, after, don't prune them after the first week. only have a month. month, that's you it? One yep. month. Yeah, if you prune after that, you're pruning off the next year's and blooms. you only you have a month. You have one month. And yeah. then just think of all those little seed pods. So that you know the, talk about a diva. Do you know yeah. the seed pods at the end? Remove yeah. those two, you get way more bloom the following year. And here's a real big one, Matthew. They sucker like crazy, especially the vulgaris variety. So all of the syringa vulgaris, the, the common lilacs. 
They, you they only s- have a month. One yeah. month. Yeah. If you want them. And if you go, do you know what, Matt? In the end, they That's recommend, unless the thing is having, <laughs> no, Matt, not kidding. They recommend if you're having issues, then do something about it. Like we've seen them. We mentioned the name Danberg just a few minutes ago. That's a well, good, they have, by the way, that's they a have good rule a, to live by. If you're having issues, do something about it. Yeah. <laughs> no. Okay, but wait, what about the repeaters? The repeaters because the are boomerang re- is now on the scene here. I agree. But again, it has to do with new wood, old wood. And so, but the boomerang and what you've said is, and his dad's right, is, uh, sorry, the boomerang lilac is a lilac that is, it's actually, it, it's cool, but they still need time off. They need at least a month. Yeah, they take a rest in the summer. Yeah. Yeah. And then they're back again. Like, let's say they finish in July. They'll be back again, middle of August type thing. But when would you prune a, boom, a bloomerang? Sorry. Because if you were to prune it, say, the fir- before the first week of July or the first week of July, are you pruning the blooms that would come on after that rest period? No, it's not the same way at all. I don't know. So what, what happens is mom mentioned rest. Yeah. So what would they do? They would have a majorly heavy bloom first thing in the spring, right? So around the May yeah. area. Yeah, and the secondary bloom is going to be much lighter. Much lighter. Yeah, but it's there. I mean, it's that's and, that's why I didn't plant lilacs for years because the stinking things. It's a green blob the rest of the year. Well, here's another thing, Matt. At the end of that that last bloom time, they have to turn around and set the blooms again for the following year. Now that is really tough to but, do. Think about that one for a minute. My thought process would be the most important. So on a bloomerang. The most important time to be pruning this thing would be after the second bloom because you want to give this thing the most time it possibly has to get set for the following spring, which is the big show. Right? Yes. But Matthew, not on the bloomerang, but here's something important. So anybody that has overgrown lilacs, we can do something called coppicing. Explain. You call the police. You call the cops. Okay. (laughs) So basically what happens is coppicing, this was developed, I believe, in the UK. And they use it a lot on like hornbeams and they used it on uh, privet. They used it on a lot of hedging material, I thought it was. Initially, yes. Initially. And the idea being is that there are certain shrubs and many of your deciduous shrubs, by the way, take all of your evergreens and remove them from this list. They will not do this. No. They will not do this. Why? Okay. Because evergreens are built on a completely different operating system. Scales and all. Yeah. Okay. So many flowering shrubs, what you can do is if it if it gets really what we call woody. So you look at the shrub and it's like it's more wood than leaf. It's not it's got a lot of Viagra. Very it, few it's flowers. Really woody. I know right? I know all about that. Stop blooming. <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> but I'm not that woody anymore. Sialis, <laughs> oh, ladies and gentlemen. So but the but the issue is that if it's just if it's looking really really woody and it's got a lot of crossing and rubbing and the whole thing branches coming down and growing inside awful what you do is you can take this thing and literally cut it off above the ground 8 inches to a foot sure and you'll you'll notice Matt not not just the lilac but if you're having things like anything cornus okay in the dogwood family yeah they Willow. Have, Willows oh, are bad. Nuts. So you actually have to physically reach in and cut out branches from the interior portion. Why am we doing this? Wait a minute. Why are we doing this? We're I'm reaching in and cutting the branches into the center. Why are we doing this? Opening up. Okay. For Open air morning. circulation and, and light. sunlight and rain. Yep. You got it. Yep. Jack, didn't we at one time, didn't we one time on a site, Coppice Ragosa? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, not yeah. that often. We usually cut them back so bad it looks like coppicing, right? right? Rogosa, <laughs> Rogosa will come back like stink. Sure. Yeah. There was always we the story amongst the McFarlands here is legendary. Pat with the Pat McFarland of Best Cut with the chainsaw and the potentillas. Potentilla is almost what six eight inches from the ground. Yeah. <laughs> Customer comes out and is like, what, "What the heck have you done?" And he says, "Trust me." And they came back and they those suckers. I believe they they were the happy face sure. uh, potentilla with the. Canary yellow blooms on sure, them. Sure, I did. La- those la- things bloomed like stink. I did last summer, Matt. Remember, I pruned and I got kind of an earful from the client. And they told me, I went in and it was a dappled blush uh, of the, of the Salix, Arctic Willow. Yep. And they were basically, okay, so you had no growth up to about four or five feet from the bottom. And they said, well, what can you do for this? And I said, well, we're going to have to really butcher them, hack them oh, way back. Did we and them, I am man. telling you, we took them down probably eight feet. And they looked like a bunch of sticks. And they went freaky on us. Yeah. And I said, don't worry. It'll be back. <laughs> I'll be back. Yeah. But anyways, but the Head idea the was chopper. within about two, two, three weeks later, there was a real change. Full and after about a month, five weeks. You'd never even know. You would never know. I, I remember did being it. on the site five weeks later and you couldn't even, there was so much 
new growth, you couldn't even see the sticks. Like you couldn't even see the empty, uh, the empty mains that, that were left because there was just so much new growth. No. But again, willows are notorious. They're sure. super aggressive. Now, evergreens. Here's a big one, okay? So let's talk evergreen shrubs for a minute. Number one is on evergreen shrubs, don't prune these things until the new growth comes on. Why, Matt? Well, and we talked about this last week, how I have a client that was, they're looking to sell their house. They want to have the, the grounds cleaned up. And I said, well, when are you looking to list your home? And they said, oh, probably June. I said, well, I can't come in and trim your shrubs right now. Why? Because you're going to have to have me back because it's going to put brand new growth on. Right? Sure. So you don't want to start pruning off the evergreens until the new growth comes on because the danger happens here in that you're getting, you're, you're going to end up taking off too much and you're going to end up starting to get back into the structural stuff. Yes? Sure. And, and basically, you should never take off maybe more than about one third of the new growth because you want to do it gradually again. And Matt, the problem is evergreens have a major negative zone or a dead zone going on and there's no back. coming back That's from it. that. I had a customer that had somebody come in and, and prune their prune their junipers. I believe they were old golds, like really old looking suckers. And they pruned way too back, way deep and in. And I said to her, that's, that is that is never coming back. It will never back. grow yeah, back. Yeah, the growth no. is always on the tips. On the not tips. In the interior. And sure. again, on a juniper there, it's on the tips and only a couple inches. That is sure. it. And another thing, work within the parameters of the plant itself. If it grows a certain way, prune it that way. She's Lindy's Jack. I'm Matt. On the other side, we pick up right where we left off here. This is the growing season on News Talks. So I've got 960 AM. Showbits is the place to be on the website. Click on that. GrowingSeasonCanada.com. Stay with us. along with us growingseasoncanada.com is the website and the show is the growing season brought to you by news talk saga 960 am if you happen to find yourself on growingseasoncanada.com click on show bits because you heard in the previous segment my dad said every plant that he knows (laughs) 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 he literally vomited plants mom Um, wanted to make sure that no you're not actually mom wanted to make sure that she was extolling the virtues of proper tool Maintenance. Yes, always before you prune, sharpen those tools and make sure that they're disinfectant. I think in the last show, we did go over the recipe for disinfecting your tools. But if you didn't hear it, it's nine parts water to one part bleach. You mix it up, put your tools in for 30 minutes, then lay them out to dry and oil them. And the mixture only lasts two hours. So, Maddie, perfect segue into things like ribes or currant. Okay. Rabies? Not, Why not are we rabies. talking about rabies? Or not babies. <laughs> <laughs> rabies alpinum, right? Very good. That's the alpine current, alpine yes. Current, yeah. But you know what, Matt? Have you ever noticed even that has a little red current on it, right? Oh, they're gorgeous. I know. I I've actually tasted alpine. them. They're actually kind of sweet. Really? Yeah. You know, interesting. We're going to have Sharona Gorin of SharonaLandscapeDesign.ca on him with us next week. We're going to be chatting about spring design stuff. And Sharona's wonderful. She is a serviceberry fanatic. For our listeners that don't know, Danny Serviceberry and the Cumulus Serviceberry, all of the different relatives of the Serviceberry, native to Canada, and conceivably the greatest flowering shrub slash small tree that you can spend money on. Absolutely the most wonderful thing. She makes, wait for it, Serviceberry Moose. Oh my word. Mm, Sounds good, Matt. She makes Serviceberry Moose. Apparently it's fantastic. And they make Serviceberry Jam, right? They make Saskatoon Berry Jam. We have a Serviceberry. But we never get to the berries because the birds get them first. The birds go nuts. Don't they just they? seem to know yeah. in advance. It drives me nuts. As soon as, soon as they change the right color, right, Matt? When do they fruit out? It's got to be August, September, right? Yeah, sure. Okay. It's and so, what, like when you're coming outside in the morning in August, September, is that bush just humming? Yeah, <laughs> it is. Absolutely. <laughs> but this not year, a- this year, though, now that I know more about them, I am going to try and get my hands on some of them before the birds do. Can you put a net or something up? Absolutely. Yes. Can. yes. Maybe you should just net the thing. But yeah. Unless they're quick. Okay. They're fast. They know. They seem to but know when not certain. Thing, no, they're not. But they seem to know when the berries are ripe enough to eat. They have this this root they take, 
and they go around and they munch on whatever it's going, you know, ripe in the neighborhood, right? Well, you had we had service berries all over the the new patio last year, right? Wasn't sure. No, those berries? were crab apples. Those were crab apples. Yeah. 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 So, Matt. Anyways, getting back to current. Yeah. So they were big in Greece for one thing, Matt, and they've yeah. been around for absolutely hundreds and hundreds of years. I think even back to the 13th century, I believe. Okay. That- that's in England, yeah. Yeah. So, Matt, just think about this. Current jam was a big deal, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. I, yeah. Do you know what? I don't mind it, actually. But, Matt, here's the biggest problem with current. They get something called canker. And where does the canker come from? Stress. No. Yeah, you get you get cankers in your mouth oh. from, from stress. Yeah. Okay, yeah. in the real world, where does canker come from? On currents. On so on I'm sorry, because my world is not the real world. Well, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> your world is really out there, Matthew. <laughs> okay. The canker comes from... It's, this is a this is this is like a fungus. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So just if it has been a wet spring, let's say for mm-hmm. instance, okay, that's when it normally would happen, and the fungus ap- appears on something called Pinus strobus or white pine. Mm-hmm. Even most pines will get the it. The messiest pine. Sure. And the fungus appears, and then it's there. And once it gets airborne, it goes and it can land on the leaves of your ribes, or even of your, uh, I think it's uva ursi, I believe, so your gooseberry. So here's the biggest problem. Never plant gooseberry and currant at the same time. It's just like an alternate host to the canker. Okay, so have one or the other, okay, but on not both. Is this this white pine blister canker? White pine blister rust canker. That's a mouthful, eh? That is like, you need to get multiple shots to get yeah. back. Oh, yeah, yeah that one's really bad. Is there a really vaccine out there? Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> is there a vaccine? Uh, hey, AstraZeneca. Can you come up with something for the what was white it? pine blister rust That's canker? But Matt, here's that the, really sucks. Here's the big <laughs> thing, Matthew. Just just imagine this. This thing is actually able to travel distances of about a thousand feet or three hundred meters. So once these spores get airborne and you have currents in the neighborhood, you are definitely going to get canker on your current. You know. Okay, so. Other gardening shows don't talk about penises nearly as much as us, okay? Or sex. Especially or, bee penises, right? Bee penises, or make allusions to Viagra. But other gardening shows, they talk about, like, the nice stuff, the flowering stuff. <laughs> we focus on, you know, canker and then your knob rots off. And it's just <laughs> everything about the growing season is the, yeah, that's great that it flowers, whatever. What rots? Can we find something that rots? All or... right. But Matt, <laughs> let's just say. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I know. It's always focused. Well, even on our first awful. show. What was our first one again? It was on plants that kill, and you had that echo going on, yeah, right? It is. Yeah. But Matt, when you prune your your again get get uh, your current, for instance, yeah. you want to make sure that all the dead, damaged branches are removed. We primarily use ribes alpinum now for a hedge all the time. I mean, it's a hedge yeah, makes an amazing hedge. It's they're fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely. But Matt, you would after you prune, there should be about three to four shoots left on year old wood. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Mine's like Nate's. <laughs> Better leave that one alone. There'd be yeah, a bleep yeah, going on there. Yeah. Bleep there. On with the plants, please. Yes. yes. On with your plants, but, please. Matthew, I told you never plant the gooseberry or the especially the black current together that's a no-no never do that okay. but the idea is that once this fungus has gone it girdles the actual cambrium the skin of the actual uh current itself and then you end up it gets in that way and then all of a sudden you'll get this big huge brown black blob on the on the actual it branch looks awful. it's awful and it's it's actually even if you prune it prune it prune it and mom's tie-in was perfect her segue was perfect because you want to make sure you keep talking about oh i would never do that well if you go and you prune your current and then you move on to something else and prune. You can pass the disease yeah. from yeah. one to another. Yeah, and so and we talked last week about how the cherries, the cherries are just prone to canker. Sure. Absolutely horrendous. And they're also prone to actually we saw a client this past weekend that had sun scald on their Japanese maple. And it was really bad. It was really damaged a lot. And so just for, like, think, wait a minute, I mentioned the tour. It's like sunburn in the wintertime. Think about that. Yeah, so what happens for our audience? And a lot of the Japanese maples are getting it, like primarily because they're a thin-barked maple, okay? So what happens is the the sun comes out, let's say, in January. And there's those days in January where you would get the intense winter sun. And it's going to warm the one side. So this, okay, so this one, it was the west side, obviously the west side, right? Because you're having afternoon, afternoon sun. Yeah. 
and it's warming that bark. And then what happens is the sun goes down, and then in January, what happens at night? It gets cold. So that warm bark, you have the warmth of the bark, and then the cool air temperature. And what happens is the bark goes, snaps. Sure. And the idea, Matt, only a certain portion of the bark is going to get healed. Just think about the auxins again from the last show. Yep. That is everything to do with form, function, new growth, and so forth. Yep. But on the on the trunk itself, it is very hard to heal that back quickly. So it will actually start to heal it from the very edges of its of the actual wound itself. And that yep. is going to take a long time. So in the meantime, we normally don't stress using things like brackle or tree paint. But clean the area that Matt's talking about that has been damaged by, yeah. by sun scald. Yeah. And then I either apply brackle the, or tree paint. And the cherries, anything that has a really thin, thin bark are prone to this. Sure. The cherries just get it. Like there was somebody that showed a picture of a cherry in the fall and it, dad, it had canker and sun scald on it. Wow. This thing was in rough shape. So Matt, we are going to be putting in, because of this new garden of ours at, at, at our home here. We're going to be putting in a, a bunch of vaccinium, so the blueberries. Nice. And I, yeah, so I want to use something because one area over by the, the patio itself has a, a, a pinostrobus again, a white pine, yeah. and it's always shedding needles, so we need something fairly acid. Acid. And I'm going to go. You guys could go rotos. We're going to go rotos and azaleas. But Matt, here's we what. We never get a chance to plant rotos. Yeah. So Matt, just think of it. If you want berries at a different time of the year, then you should plant different kinds of different varieties. So we're going to plant same things like blue crop, blue jay. Legacy pink icing even. I want some pink varieties. Great, thanks. That would be cool, a pink blueberry. Sure. But, Mom, you want to give them some pointers on how to prune these things? Well, first, when you go to prune your blueberry bush, look at your blueberry bush. How are you doing? That's good. (laughs) Don't be looking at your dogwood. Look at the blueberry bush. Make sure it's a blueberry bush. But look for damaged branches. (laughs) Make sure it's a blueberry bush. Yeah, it's a good start. And it's on your property. Yeah, it's on your property. It's on your property. Uh, You know, look for any damage. Like, I guess after the winter, you would get some damaged twigs, like some damaged parts, they're dead. Cut it back in that. And think about what shape you want the blueberry bush in. Now, I'm going to be honest, listeners, I haven't seen a whole lot of blueberry bushes, so... They're kind of oblong. Yeah. Like, it's kind of just a... I, yeah. I think they're amazing. And they go in every every height imaginable, Matt, everything from, say, 12 to 18 inches high, right up to but, about four feet high. Yeah. But we yeah, kind of glossed seen, over it, but, but, but the pink ones are... That's, that's super oh, cute. You know what? And I've seen them as pink ground popcorns. cover on a rock. Matt, there's a new what? one out. Pink popcorn. A ground cover on a rock? Yeah, uh, up at your sister's cottage. We swam out to this rocky little island, Aaron and I, and there were blueberries all over this big chunk of limestone. It had to be pine. If it's limestone, too, it had lots of pine. because Yeah, and lots of pine. And uh, we we picked quite a few. They were absolutely delicious, but very small because they were wild. So, And what you do is you look for the strongest canes with the best flower buds. Keep those. Prune away the others. And remember, any debris under the plant... Break it up, get rid of it. Now, Mom, is that only for, is that rule only for profuse flowers or fruiters? This remove the, is like, do I have to worry, do I have to be so diligent if I'm pruning my physocarpus, my, my nine bark? No. 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 But when, yeah, I would think, Matt, and I'm only guessing that if you want fruit, Flower, Lots of flour berry, and fruit. Nuts. You want you want to prune away the stuff that isn't doing well. It's it's culling basically because you want all the plant's energy into going to the strongest things that the strongest parts that are going to. Now, produce how do you the prevent fruit. the birds from getting your blueberries? We're going to have to do something We're about that, Matt. Because you're going to. It's the same situation with, as with your as with your service berry. Sure, and Matt, just think of this for one minute. They've been on Earth for about thirteen thousand years. Well, they're right? older than that, but supposedly. There's a plant somewhere that's a relative to blueberry, to the blueberry plant, and it's still alive, and it's thirteen thousand years old. So now, I'm, I'm not sure. What I know. It is. Wow. Yeah, and then yeah. and it's a it's a direct descendant of the the blueberries. And today. remember, blueberries are our native fruit. They're they only really? found oh, yeah. in North America. Don't you remember they had yeah. blueberries, mulberries, rubus? Remember we had. Uh, yeah. We had also the currants. We had some of our wild currants that were here. So any of the ribes. And, of course, our crab apples and severity. And that's, you know what, if, listen, if you're a plant of that nature and you need to get news, you're probably watching A Current Affair. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, that might be my best one. No, it's not. I think that's cute. So, Matt, I know we're going to have to flip over to Easter stuff shortly, but do we have time to hit raspberries for a second? You shouldn't hit anything. Do we have gingerly touched raspberries (laughs) for a minute? (laughs) Yes, you can gingerly touch it. Yes, go. So, Matt, I actually like 
Basically, I believe the um, I like the what are all the right? Uh, the I hate fall, fall gold, isn't it oh, one of them? I hate raspberries. I like raspberries, but I they're think not they nice the, to pick. They are the most useless fruit. And yet, Matthew, no pomegranate's were, the most useless fruit. Raspberries Matthew, when you were a little yeah. boy, you would run out in my parents' backyard and pick raspberries in the morning. Really? Yeah, we'd give you a little bowl. We'd go out I with you. It was you. blueberries. No, it was raspberries. No, it was raspberries, Matt. No, so you're a, a liar. Diaper? You're a liar, man. You just lied. Was, was, uh, I, was I wearing a diaper at the you time? You might have been, yeah. Because, yeah. man, that would, have, that would be some cleanup. I don't like, want to know. I don't want to know. What I'm Thank saying you, is that after, after all of those raspberries, like as a little kid, right, you would get uh-huh, be yes. pretty. Mm-hmm. So yeah, anyways, yeah. back <laughs> from bowel movements and on to raspberries. So, so Matt, and... And <laughs> you are bad, man. You are bad. <laughs> and fall gold, which is guess what color that might be? Uh, purple. No. Okay. And jewel. Yellow. But, but Matt, yes. So Matt, they've been around. They've been around since the prehistoric time. So they've been around a long time. So okay. a lot of people have been munching on them forever. Okay, Matt. Including the dinosaurs and, and including, the Flintstones and maybe <laughs> the, the Flintstones. Yes. But Matt, they were brought to uh, England and cultivated in the 1600s. So they've been around again for a long time. But here's the big thing, Matt. You, you don't normally prune them again. And uh, right, right now is a perfect time, March, April. And again, you would go and you would, I said again a lot. You did. Prune weak, damaged, diseased yeah. canes so down to ground your, level. Same yeah. as your blueberries. Yes. And here's a big one. Leave the largest, most vigorous canes and just t- cut the tips off on those. Just remember, the roots... And the crown are perennial, and the canes are biannual. Okay, can you remember that one, Matthew? The roots and the crowns are biennial. Sorry, no, perennial. Perennial, and the, the canes, canes are biannual. So you don't get any berries then until your second year canes? Is you that right? have it, yes. So the second year canes, so you planted them, you wouldn't get any sort of fruit until the following year. But, it, uh, but the roots and the crown, the crown is perennial. Yes. So are you going to get fruit on the crown every year? No. Only every other year. Only on the canes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I know, Matt. But Matt, the new... Useless. <laughs> no, they're pretty useless. But Matt, the new canes produce buds from the previous year's growth. That makes total sense, right? Yeah. And then you keep the canes about six inches apart because air circulation and yeah. sun. Open prune, yeah. Yeah. And you want because of ripening of fruit. But Matt, the canes only live two years. So the one year is vegetative, the next year is fruiting. So each, if you have a lot of different varieties, that's better because you get a lot of fruit at different times. Throughout the growing season. Do the second year canes wear themselves out by producing fruit? No, they just die to the ground. You just cut them down. There's just going to be a dead stick there, Matt. A okay, dead so cane. we got nine minutes, by the way, for Easter stuff. We would better hit that. Yeah. Okay. So Wait a minute. One last thing. Oh, boy. Watch. People use coffee grounds a lot and so forth, Matt. Yeah. Just watch that because that can it. stunt the growth. I don't believe in using it. I agree. I don't. Uh, okay. So lots of stuff in around this time of the year with Easter being on the way. And one of the things I was saying to dad, mom, is that I think that we should, I would like to explore more of the, the world holidays. Is there anything horticultural that happens at Eid? Is there anything that, mm-hmm. uh, at Kwanzaa? I, I want to know these things. Being that we were born and raised Roman Catholic and all this stuff, is I, I obviously know what's happening at Easter, but I want to know more of what is happening. I know that during, and anybody out there that would obviously know more than me, that I know during Ramadan, dates are fairly important. Okay. Of all the things, guys, at Easter that horticulturally blows my mind is you have a hydrangea blooming when it's not supposed to be blooming. Now, nobody really ever knows when a hydrangea blooms because these things are just kind of all over the map. But this is a this is a this is a summer thing. This is an early summer thing usually for for hydrangeas. Okay, but they only use one variety basically. They use hydrangea macrophylla. Map. Okay, so the big leaf guy. Yes. Okay, and they force these things. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Okay, so how do you? <laughs> How do you, like, <laughs> you either bloom or you're grounded, hydrangea. Because it grows in the ground. Ah, I, uh, no? No. But Matt, they actually develop their flower buds the season before, typical thing like outdoor ones yep. do. Yep. And so the actual, when you go to get them, the flower buds are actually present in the cane tips. Okay, so on the new, new growth, yep. when, you, when you go to actually think about forcing them. But Matt, they're shipped leafless in, in a dormant uh, material. And they require about 1,000 hours of dormancy and get ready for to be actually forced upon arrival. So when they get the delivery, they actually start forcing them then. Okay. Question. We're going to get into the actual forcing, but just from my own knowledge, once these things are forced, can they come back? Like, 
Do you know what I'm saying? Like, is this a death sentence for these things? Cautiously hardy. How's that? <laughs> so the other words, like, it's like a, you know when they force tulips? Yeah, like useless. That's junk. it. Like, Complete. Throwaways. Uh, well, you know what, Matt? It's really strange. Okay, so the reason why that is, for instance, it's because the, the bulbs themselves have used up all this energy in order to flower. Yeah. So they don't have a time to recover because they're in a pot and they're, they're actually not taken care of once the blooms go off. So they're not really worth your effort. Compost. But for some reason, Narcissi do. They are fine. You take them in. You may not get anything much the following season, but by the third season, after you plant them on Daffodils. Daffodils will do just fine. Really? Yeah, but da- tulips don't bother. But Matt, everything about the hydrangeas. Okay, so the blue varieties, for instance, it's all about aluminum sulfate, right? Yeah. And they're giving it basically seven to nine times in the previous season to regulate colors in when they go to force them. And so blue, blue varieties cannot become pink varieties. It's all to do with what they did the previous season, okay? But yet in the wild, or when we plant these things, the white varieties oftentimes turn to pink on the tips. Only yeah. if you change the acidity, alkalinity no, of the soil. Oh, no. A lot of these varieties. Like, no, because that's what they are. They, they go from white to pink or whatever. That's what I'm saying, though. In the wild, naturally, these things, in a lot of cases... I don't call it wild. Well, but, sorry. <laughs> in the suburban environment. How's that? Okay. Right? But yeah, they oftentimes you'll see like a, a, a quick fire hydrangea, which is a paniculata version. They will come out white, but then they but then their tips go pink towards the end. Sure, I, actually, I love them, Matthew. I, I have to I tell like you, hydrangeas. I'm hoping this year ours will bloom. Yeah. So, so anyways, Matt, your corks bloom ever. These yeah. plants are received in pots, and the growth is restricted. Okay, so they they want to keep them basically at temperatures of about two degrees Celsius, thirty five degrees Fahrenheit. But here's what he cool things. So the average, when forcing them, say the average day and night temperature must be roughly the same, say 66 degrees Fahrenheit to 19 degrees Celsius. But the idea is, Matt, a typical thing when you have, if you're trying to force things, you let them dry out and then you'll between waterings and then keep them more, only add moisture as it's needed. So what about temperature here? Is it used to increase or decrease flowering or speed up flowering time or keep it going? What, what's the deal here? Well, yeah, Matt, you're absolutely right. So if the growth is too fast, they cool it. If it's too slow, they warm it. So increase or decreasing of temperatures, one degree at a time, let's say, will actually speed up or, or slow down the, uh, the flower growth that's going to happen on these hydrangeas that you're getting at Easter. It's really kind of cool. Wow. But okay. Matt, forcing Easter lilies. Now, there's a cool one. Okay, do we have how much time? Four minutes. Go. Mom, hit it. Okay. Well, our Easter lily bulbs come from California. This is, this is Lilium. Lilium. These are Liliums, right? Lilium. This is not a hemero. No, it's not a hemero callus. Right. No. Boy, you talk about me putting up things, man. I know. I'm going to yeah, I'm going I'm to hate myself when that one comes up. Our Easter lily bulbs from come from California and Oregon. Yeah. And the nurseries up here make their bulb orders in the summer and the bulbs arrive in the fall to the nurseries here. And then they would be vernalized, yes? Well, yes, they are. They need 1000 hours in the dark. Same as the at hydrangeas. 40 to 45 degrees Fahrenheit or 4 to 7 degrees Celsius cold. Okay. No, wait a minute, wait a minute. So, wait a minute. So, the larger the bulb, they bloom earlier, and the smaller ones bloom later. Why? I guess there's more firepower in the larger bulbs. Yeah. Yes, more the juice. energy is stored yeah. within yeah. that bulb, the larger it is. So, so like an allium bulb. Absolutely. That's why it blooms like stink. And you keep talking yeah. to me about putting up names. I know. Matthew. Now we're getting into giant onion. <laughs> Great, thanks. Okay, now when these nurseries receive these bulbs, they've got to pop them up quick, pot them up quickly because if they dry out, they're useless. Okay, so they would come moist. Uh, yeah, but they need to be potted up quickly because once they dry out, they're useless. They get their thousand hours in the dark, and then seventeen to eighteen weeks before Easter, the potted bulbs are moved to a cool, sunny greenhouse. They like the temperatures between sixty around sixty-five degrees Fahrenheit, which is eighteen degrees Celsius. And they start growing. You water okay. them regularly. So what you're doing is you're basically forcing spring. Yes, you're forcing right. oh, spring. 100%. And, and seeing that Easter moves from one year to the next. Right. And because we won't get into that right now. There is a formula for that. It's really like one year you've got to start at this date. Next year you've got to start at another date because Easter moves around. But Matt, the actually the hotter the temperature, the taller the flower stock. Okay, so that's a big one. Okay, but Matt... I know they're specific, huh? Oh, and they're really yeah, specific. They're divas. And if you want to plant them outdoors, don't get this. They're hardy in zones seven to ten. So 
in our opinion, no. don't bother. You can't plant them out here. No, you no. can't. But, Matt, here's a big one. TGS Pointer. Do you want to hit that one or do you want, want me to hit it? Go for it. Hit it. Okay, so anyways, when you buy your Easter lily in pots for, for their floral show at Easter, generally speaking, try to get one to two flowers only. And this is a sign that it's early in the flower cycle. Because if you buy oh, them with too many blooms, actually spent. even green, the flowers look even almost on the green the side. The buds should be kind of a light on, green a color. A light green color. And the idea is, Matt, the number of flower buds on that will tell you how much, how far you are into the cycle of flowering or the bloom time on that plant. Really? Yeah, so it's really important. And when you bring them home, they say that basically put them in a bright light, not full sunlight. Temperatures in the neighborhood of, say, 68 degrees Fahrenheit or 20 degrees Celsius. And they like kind so of cool. basically almost room temperature. They, sure, yeah, they like it sure. cool room temperature. And yeah. you know, only water as necessary. And here's a big one. Don't fertilize them because they don't need it. They're getting their own energy they need for food. They're doing having a light lunch, Matt, right? Wonderful. So they don't need it. And that is a great place to press pause. And as usual, the pot runneth over, Mom. Yeah, Easter lilies are not toxic to humans, but they are toxic to pets. So don't let the... Uh, your dog or cat have a fee salad fee or lunch. Spot. Yeah, yes. Fifi or Spot have a lunch from a Easter Lily. And they're good, man. If you want to, for humans, if you want to serve a few of those up in your stir fry, they're no, kind of no, <laughs> no, don't be encouraging any of them. <laughs> Not in it at all. GrowingSeasonCanada.com is a website. Click on Show Bits directly after the show airs. This show will be podcast and placed firmly into the blog, which means if you've missed it, no worries. You can go back, you can hit play on the podcast and then everything that we've talked about and it's actually my fault <laughs> because there's lots there is is listed for you in chronological order we've had many of our listeners say thank you for that because there's so much information flying fast and furious growingseasoncanada.com is the website for anything growing season related and that's not just this show in fact the growing season is a full install consult and landscape design company my father and I are hip deep in designs right now it's absolutely insane but feel free Contact us. I would say on the construction end, I'm probably booked into the fall at least. So it's it's packed. It's absolutely. What about my place, Matt? Your place is in there. We'll f- we'll find some time. I promise. Okay, guys. We always end the show on a very very similar note. This week it's actually very topical, guys. The definition of a bulb is a potential flower that is buried in the autumn, never to be seen again, or in our case, only in your neighbor's yard. <laughs> it's the truth, right? Holy cow! Those blasted squirrels. Oh yeah. my goodness. Yeah, mom. Until next time, have a good one, and please be safe, and happy Easter to everybody. Jack out. If you miss any part of our show today or any of our earlier broadcasts, don't panic. Just log on to our website at www.saga960am.ca backslash podcasts and look for and stream our podcasts of this show and any of our other great programs.